now through the church. Now let me just be honest. Uh, when I read scripture, I'm a very literal guy. I, I'm, I'm, as I said, I went to PE. I was good at sports. Wasn't really highly educated. But it's okay. But good at sports. <laughs> but here's the thing. When it says the word now, I've got my pen and I've underlined the word now multiple times. Because actually this is the understanding. I think too often in church, we go, you know what? Tomorrow. I'll get to that thing. We, we're people, we're a generation where we are a people of now, now, now. Yes, we've got fast food restaurants where you get the now, we get internet signals, so it's now, I want to get my, I want to download something now. But I think in the Christian environment, too often, we are people who want to cast the responsibility of, future, of our future into the future. We don't want to take the responsibility now, and, and sometimes it's also because we feel disqualified. We'll say something like, you know, it's great for other people, but for me, it's, let me try and get my life on track first. And then let God start doing some amazing things through me. Or maybe this is not my season to it. You know, God, when I get through the baby phase, then you can use me. God, when, 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 when work starts to get a bit more plentiful, things like I'm just, I'm getting snowed under with work, or the pressure is too big, or I can't find a job, my CVs are going up, but no one's replying. God, when, when I get a job, then. Yeah. God, when you give me the yeah. promotion, then. When I've read my Bible more, then. When I've done that course, then. But the scripture here says, from the least deserving, this man gets up and says, Now! Yeah, it's good. Now! There's a nowness to that word, now. It's an immediacy. It's not a, I've tried to understand it, but it's actually, I can't get away from the fact that the gospel does not let us off the hook of now. The gospel's not got a, a morality track. and not trying to make good people better. The gospel's about making dead people alive now. This is the truth that actually the gospel tells us that from the moment we turn to Christ, Ephesians 1 tells us that we are from the moment you say yes to Jesus, the moment your heart comes alive, the Bible tells us you've been given everything, given past tense, done, given everything, you've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, every spiritual blessing. This morning, Harvest Church, you are lacking nothing in your spirituality in terms of what Christ has given to you. He is not withholding anything from you. Because scripture tells me he's given us everything. Yeah. Peter goes and says, you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. It's in you already. The Bible tells us that actually when we get saved, we are, we are given the spirit of Jesus. We are given the Holy Spirit inside of us. And can I tell you, he's not given in installments. He's a person. So he's given in fullness. You have the spirit of God in you. You're not getting an upgrade. You're not getting another one. One day when you get to heaven, you're not going, oh, now there's a different one. No, you've been given the spirit of Jesus. Yeah. In you, if you've said yes to Jesus, you might go, yeah, but it's NBC. But there's so much more beating inside of you already. Yeah. Now, the scripture tells me. Reinhard Bonke, the, the great German evangelist here in Africa, he says this phrase that's just so captivating. He said, you know what? Once we understand, I pray that you'll understand you have omnipotence at your fingertips. Oh, that phrase has just got to me. Omnipotence at my fingertips. Oh, but I'm just a little redhead guy from Hazeldean Road and insecurities and racked with addictions and brokenness. But Jesus, but Jesus got hold of my heart. He says, actually, you're the least deserving. Yeah, but now through you, you're going to put omnipotence at your fingertips. Let me tell you, I love this. I kept reading. It says, now through the church. Now, I want to make it clear. I know you probably know this, but it's, it doesn't say now through. A church. There's no church name there. It doesn't say now through Harvest Church 
or Hillsong or Bethel. It doesn't say a mission organization. Now through the mission organization. It doesn't say now through a revivalist. It doesn't say now through a charismatic preacher. And now it doesn't say through. It says now through the church. Yeah. Now let me tell you the Greek word there for the church is ecclesia. It's not meaning an organization. As much as we love the gathering of the saints in this moment together, it says now through the church, ecclesia meaning called out once. People. Individuals. And let me just make this clear here. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you're part of the church. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can go to church your whole life, but if you are not, if your heart's not beating for Jesus Christ, you can have done membership courses for days. He's coming back for his church. Not a church, but his church. Those who belong to him. A little bit too heavy, sorry. No, it's good. <laughs> okay, come on. Tell more stories about yesterday. <laughs> It says, now through the church, the called out ones, you and I. You know what? The incredible thing for you and me this morning is to understand that God's plan, the mystery that angels long to look into, this thing, the secret that has been revealed, He says, now through the church. Not a church, but you and I together. It says this in, in, in Romans 8, it says, all creation waits and groans for the sons of God to be revealed. I said it last night, but the incredible thing is, God knows what He's invested in you and I. He knows what He's poured out. He's poured out His Spirit. He knows. He's convinced what He has placed inside of us. Let me tell you, Satan is convinced what God has put inside of you. That's why he'll throw temptation, chaos, brokenness, uh, sin, pain, addictions, problems, so that you'll get off track and get submerged by all the things of this world and not live in the fullness that you've got. God knows that Satan knows that all creation, we're told, is waiting for you and I to step out into the fullness of what he's got for us. Seems the only people who are confused and doubting are you and I. ZBC is fine for me, thanks. I'll just take that. That's okay for me. You know what? It says this. It says, now through the church, the manifold wisdom. Now, the manifold wisdom, we're told in Scripture, just to be very simple this morning, that there's two types of God's wisdom. There's a simple wisdom. Which commentators tell us God's simple wisdom was shown in creation. Simple. So God gets up and goes, let there be light. Light explodes into being. God says, mountains rise. Everest. The Alps. Table mountain, flatten. Cocula clouds. And burnt. Creation left into being and it was obedient to God's word. God goes, simple. Simple wisdom. Paul's writing here something more profound. He says, now through the church, the manifold wisdom, the multifaceted, the multi-layered wisdom, the wisdom of God that angels long to look into, that angels could not quite understand, that they are the mystery of ages past has been kept hidden for generations, but now has been revealed. What is that manifold wisdom? We are told it is the good news of Jesus Christ. The manifold wisdom of God is the gospel that Jesus came and took our place and made dead things come alive took least deserving things and gave them so much more existence. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the manifold wisdom of God that's been entrusted to you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Let, me, let me help punctuate this with a, a story that makes it more tangible on the ground. In a church in South Africa, in our church, um, the, uh, we became aware of this, this. Well, I heard the story, so I'll tell it secondhand here. But there was a lady and, uh, who had been, she was a, a, a woman, Makes sense. Um, a lady, a lady usually, yeah. um, 
And she married a Jewish man, and she had to, and because of that, the Jewish family was really, it was a really strict religious Jewish man and his family, and she had to uh, denounce a couple things to pick up the Jewish faith, which is walking that way. And uh, and as the years went on, to spare his time, pain erupted in the marriage, and just things didn't work out, and they got divorced. And, and this woman with her one teenage son had to leave that, and all the blame was cast on her and the Jewish family that cut her off from all other seeing other children. There was just a lot of pain. And this woman, um, she, she left in such despair, didn't know where to turn, her teenage boy was struggling, and, and this, this is the moment in about August last year, where she suddenly said, uh, she's in trouble, but then for her as a mom, the biggest trouble was her son was really, because of all this, this trauma and upsetting at home, was really struggling at school. So she said, my greatest need right now, she said to her friend, is I need a tutor for my boy. If I can just get that, I just want a tutor for my boy. So as God would have it, there was a girl who comes to our church called Monique, who is just barely into her 20s. And uh, Monique became this guy's tutor. Now, Monique is an amazing girl, but let me be honest, and I'm not being unfair, she's a very ordinary girl. Now, you wouldn't go, what's, what's happening? She doesn't walk on water. She hasn't done that water to wine thing yet. You know, she's, she's very ordinary. She's pretty ordinary in, in terms of standards, but, but she became, she's a, a, lady, a girl who loves Jesus. And... Uh, and she becomes this guy's tutor, this young boy called Hunter. And then she starts to teach him and, and befriend this boy. And, uh, and, and this woman in this, in this journey, she's, she remarried and got, got a whole bunch of other kids. It just got a lot of confusing story back there. And, uh, and because of this family situation, Monique ended up going to Thailand with the family. That's a cool tutor gig when you go on holiday to Thailand with them. I was like, can I teach him as well? <laughs> um, I digress. But... This story gets going as, as she then starts to befriend this boy who's hurting and broken, Hunter. And Hunter, she eventually says, Hunter, let me, I, I, you need some friends. Why don't you come to our youth group? And so she, he goes to the youth group and he becomes friends and he stands back a little bit out of it, but trying to engage and stuff starts to change and, and God does what only God can do. And in December, this boy haltingly makes a decision for Jesus. Stumblingly, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. And, and the Spirit of God is put inside this boy. Something changes about this boy. That, that you and I can't manufacture, that we can't program. God does it. But the amazing thing is this boy then goes to his mom and his, his new stepdad and says, guys, you've got to come to this church. And they're like, I will come at Christmas. And Christmas comes and Christmas goes. But New Year's come and New Year's resolutions are people go back to church or step out for the first time. So they come and sit at the back of our church on the first week of January. Now here's the incredible thing. They stood at the back. Worship happened and the sermon happened. The guy preaching preached on work. This is... I mean, let's be honest, if you're trying to preach something to get to their hearts, you don't preach on work that day. But God had a different agenda. They went through the whole service. The whole service they went. They came back the next week, went through the whole service. And after they came, I was at the front, they came to me and they started to tell me the story. And the stepdad said, you know what, I've been running for God for a long time. I need to get baptized. And while he's telling me this, the mom is just weeping. So I said, that's awesome, we'll baptize you. But what's happening with you? And she just broke and she said, it's just a huge hole inside of me that I literally feel so empty and so broken and so hurting. I don't know what to do. So I said, man, let me pray for you. I think I want to introduce you to the hope, the only one who can save you, the only one who can fill you. Your name is Jesus Christ. And she yeah. said, that's incredible. And I, and I said, we're going to pray now. And she goes, now? I said, yeah, I believe you can change your life now. Now? Okay, okay. So we got to pray. And as we started to pray, and, as, and before my eyes... So I did almost hear bones rattle as the prophet Ezekiel said, you know, so I seeing the bones rattle, flesh and sinew started coming bones. I saw a woman go from death to life before my eyes. 
Yeah, seeing her countenance change and, and, to, and something shift in the spiritual side of her. A woman going from death to life. If we understand the truth of that statement, a dead person came to life in front of you. That's going to be a cool funeral one day when I see it in reality. But this is even better because it's for eternity. The words that came out of her mouth as she, was, as she started, the tears turned from pain to joy in that moment. She said, I thank God that I needed a tutor back in August. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, go, I told Monique, I said, thank God for Monique. She was an agent of omnipotence. She did not understand the fulfillment of that, the fullness of that moment. I'm just going to get a tutor gig that's going to give me a few extra bucks. But thank God that something of that, I have more authority than I know, was bubbling inside of her. And she started to step out of faith. And she, is she a great preacher? No. Is she a, an amazing a personal evangelist? No. But she's somebody with omnipotence at her fingertips. Yeah. yeah. And the family has changed. That man, the stepdad got baptized. The woman, got, the mother got baptized. That family is in our church. A Jewish family who have now, and they bring their, their children from the Jewish family now coming to church and they're singing at the back. They love it when we preach on the Old Testament. Uh, <laughs> but because somebody needed a tutor, this is the sort of understanding when you and I get this in our hearts is that actually, you know what? We have more authority than we know. But here's a kicker for you and I this morning is that having authority is not enough. You have to use the authority. You have to exercise the authority. And here's the thing I wanted to spell this myth. Maybe you've been in church for way too long like I have. And you have this word of, oh, that guy's anointed. Let me just dispel that myth. Anointing simply means obedient. Yeah. God's anointing favor. Yes, it's true. He pours out anointing favor. But I tell you, it's on the back of stepping out in faith. Because he's already given you the authority. He's already given you it. He's not just waiting for you to step out and use it. Yeah. Let me tell you this thing. Maybe you want to write this one down. Maybe a tweet or something. It's really good. <laughs> I say to myself, just encouraging myself this morning. <laughs> if you can be obedient when no one is looking, he can give you a favor when everyone is looking. Yeah. Let me say it again. When you, if you can be obedient when no one is looking, he will give you favor and power when everyone's looking. Yeah. Let me move on for time's sake this morning. But you and I, I just want to make sure you understand that this thing we're doing here, I, want, I pray something will erupt in our souls. Some ZBC, SABC, one, two, three, just to play on the analogy that actually is so much more that you and I, are thought, and we're not here for mere existence. We're at war for the souls of men and women. Yeah. yeah. You were placed here. You were plan A for the gospel. Look to the left and look to the right of you quickly. Whether that excites you or not, that is God's plan for Harari. Yeah. When I look at myself, I'm terrified. <laughs> but the good news is God has got no plan B. Plan A is His church, the Ecclesia, the called out ones. That is His plan for the souls of men and women, for eternal destination. This is what we're on about. So you have more authority than you know. Secondly, for time's sake this morning, you have more access than you know. Scripture goes on and says, and tells us there that we, have, we now can come because of Christ with boldness and confidence to the very presence of God. Let me tell you this amazing things here, just to really rattle your cages. That actually, the forgiveness of sins wasn't Jesus' ultimate aim. Yeah. Hold on, let me tell you why. He forgave us our sins so that we can come to God. One Peter puts it this way, it says, it tells us Christ died, the righteous for the unrighteous, once and for all. Why? To bring us to God. Yeah. He has an incredible thing, sir, man. 
SABC level is, I've been forgiven. That's awesome. But forgiven for a purpose to get Him. It blows my mind. We get God. Yeah. We get Him in fullness. Not at a distance. Not through a, a veil. We get God up close and personal. You get God. Does that not blow your mind? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I get Him. Let me get a little bit teachy here very quickly. Genesis 1 starts. Here's the thing, because I want to help us, because I know my brain goes in a Gnostic direction where we get separation. Heaven's there and earth's here. Genesis 1 begins with God creating the heavens and the earth, same time. There was no separation. Heavens and the earth, together. God walks down in the cool of the day. Heavens and the earth were not separated. Okay? Adam is created. And he is there and he's created. And the first place that Adam sees we hear as the Father, as the Almighty God, created God, he breathes his life into Adam. The first face that Adam, the representative of earth, and the face of God, the representative of heaven, sees God breathing a life into Adam. The first face Adam sees is not of a God at a distance. God said, let there be light. And he spoke and spoke. But with Adam, he fashioned Adam out of the dust, breathed his life into him. Heaven and earth were created together. Humanity and the Father. Humanity found the first breath from heaven. We were together. Here's an incredible thing though. Sin enters in and sin starts to lead us to a Gnostic separation of us shouting down here and trying to work out how we can get up there. Sin gets and distorts the view that actually heaven's up there and we're down here. And every other religion starts to sell and peddle the, the drug to people that actually we've got the recipe of how you can get up there. Muslims do the five pillars, do the gift to the poor, let the scales be tipped in your favor. Uh, the the word is karma. If you, if you just do all this, you'll get there. We've got the only religion that sells us a different that actually heaven came down yeah. to humanity. Here's the amazing thing as we read on in Genesis 28, we get a glimpse of what God's trying to do. The man named Jacob, he comes and has this dream of a ladder stretching from earth to heaven, joining the two. And he says, On the ladder, I saw angels ascending and descending on the ladder. It becomes huge mythology in the Jewish religion. The, the Jacob's ladder joined heaven and earth. What's remarkable about that is a man named Jesus arrives. And what he says in John, in the first few chapters of John, is he says this. There is a ladder joining heaven and earth. He says, and you'll see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus comes and says, Jews, you have been talking about the ladder. You've been talking about the stairway of heaven. I'm ripping off Led Zeppelin right there. He says, I am that ladder. I am the one that connects heaven to earth. Jesus, it's me. There's no other system. It's me to the Father. Yeah. And this is an incredible thing that Jesus goes on. And he says this. And here's a word maybe you might know it or not. We learn about the Jesus' hypostatic union. Which means that when Jesus came, he came as 100% God and 100% man. Why that is huge? So we, maybe you've been in church, you're like, yes, 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 that sounds great. Why that is massive, it has implications for our relationship with God, is that Jesus came as the second Adam, the, the earth's representative, and he came as heaven's representative. Why? As Ephesians 1 verse 10 tells us, to bring everything in heaven and earth together under Christ. So the separation of man going, God, where are you? Jesus says, here we are. What becomes huge is John the Baptist, he says this, he says, the kingdom is at hand, repeat, the kingdom is at hand. My, my little puny brain always thought that means it's coming soon. But let's get real here, when he says the kingdom is at hand, he means it's, you can reach out and touch it. It's here, the kingdom has come. 
The kingdom has come in Jesus Christ. The kingdom has come in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who joins heaven and earth. Why this is massive, a little bit maybe theoretical. But it's so huge for you and I. It's because I know that some moments I feel really close to God. When the keyboard's on E minor, I'm there. <laughs> when they start to play Reckless Love, come on, we're in. When, when, you know, when it's just a moment when I'm really doing well, when I'm pressing it, when things seem to be going well, when the back balance is full, I'm, I'm honest, I sometimes feel a little bit closer. Like, God, your favor's on me. And sometimes when I've messed up, when I'm not really doing too well, when the kid is screaming at, the, at three in the morning, like, why won't you sleep? Can we get someone to cast out this demon? <laughs> that, that moment I'm not feeling like heaven and earth is really close. But here's the incredible truth that there is no separation. No matter how you feel, ZBC reality says when I'm doing well, God is close. So much more understand that he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm closer than your hands and feet. I am within you. This is the understanding that we have that actually, as the scripture amazingly goes on. It says that you, it says you have access through Christ and, his, and faith in Him. The proper rendition of that is through Christ and His faithfulness. If you want to know your access to God, it's actually not about your ability to drum up faith and believe. It's about understanding that He is faithful. Christ and His faithfulness guarantees you. So you say, I haven't been faithful this week. I go, don't stress. He has been faithful. He has been faithful. That means you've still got access to God. Yeah. No, but I need a baby need to come and do three weeks of Sundays. Three weeks of Sundays is good, but actually it doesn't guarantee you anything in terms of the access of God. This is the good news of the gospel. We have to get down. Maybe I'm simple, I'll help us in this way. Is that when I lived in Zimbabwe, I went to Rari Sports Club, I frequented that wherever South Africa came to play a test match or two, and I joined the gaggle of young boys who uh, would be looking for an autograph from, from Sean Pollock. Sean Pollock and I, we were kindred spirits, as one can tell. <laughs> and uh, this was in the 90s, and I remember everyone would be screaming, Sean, Sean, Polly, Polly! And we'd be trying to get an autograph, and, he, and one or two would get lucky and get an autograph, and they would all go off. There was one day at Rory Sports Club, when uh, it started to rain, I was, a, I was a frequent visitor, so I knew every nook and cranny of that ground. And uh, I remember seeing, as it started to rain, all the kids running for the little shelters, but I knew if you went left around the club, I was a little after you can say drive for a little while. So I was there clutching my little mini bags of signatures there, but as I ran around the corner, I came face to face with Sean Pollock who was whitening and cleaning his pads. Oh my word, I fit the mother load. <laughs> so he, he looks up and he sees a bedraggled wet rat running in. And, and for some reason, true story, he says, hey, hey young man, you can't stay out here. Why don't you come in with me into the changing room? True story. And I remember that day, it was one of the greatest moments of my life, when I remember Sean came and we walked around the front, past all the other guys with the little bats. So it's funny, and I'm like... <laughs> Just so you believe me, Darren Cullinan was playing table tennis on the physio desk with, uh, with Adam Bacher. I promise you, it was surreal. But here's the incredible thing. In that moment, and I know we know that, but we have to tell our, our feeble hearts to forget and tend to smallness again and again and tend to, for, to fear and anxiety. We have access into the very throne room of God, not because of our ability, not because we can shout loudly, but we've stumbled into it because I'm with Him. Yeah. Yeah. We get access to God yeah. because of this. You have more access than you know. You have more authority than you know finally this morning. Just in case you were wondering if this guy is trying to sell us some charismatic Mazoe here. <laughs> Thirdly, it says it will cost you more than you know. I wish I had stopped at verse 12 when I was reading this morning. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had the standards of way to reality verse 13. 
Verse 13, unfortunately, has words like suffering in it. I don't like that word. Come on, none of us like it. Should we just stop there? Unfortunately, we can't. I would be doing a disfavor because actually, the incredible thing is the man Paul, the least of these who's now coming and leaning right into the, the church in Ephesus about the secret mystery. Who's getting so, I can imagine getting so pumped up as he's going, now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is going to be made known to the rulers of the powers and authorities and every realm. And he's going, now you've got access to God. You don't have to beg, you don't have to borrow. You can come to the throne of God. You have so much more. He's plugging him into the to be searching for signal. He's so pumped. But then we realize he's writing this from jail. I love this. Because Paul is not writing this from some spiritual retreat on the top of a mountain like a Yoda figure. <laughs> now you shall. Now I can't do Yoda. <laughs> but no, he's not up there saying, you have more authority than you know, lotus flower. He's not doing that. He's not removed from the reality that we are facing. Good. Paul is in jail for his faith. I want to tell you this morning so much more this gospel will cost you everything. It's free, but it demands much. Let me tell you, if you don't believe me, maybe this morning, maybe in a bit of a bubble, we just move forward. And I know the times have been tough in Zimbabwe, I know that, but I, 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 don't, I think sometimes we maximize suffering on this level here. Every disciple died for their faith. Bar John, but, but, but even he had a tough time. Let me tell you, even the man that Jesus said is the greatest born of woman, John the Baptist. Let me tell you about John, JB, I call him, you know? The real JB, not Justin Bieber, the real JB. <laughs> the man, greatest born of woman, the man who stood up in front of people and said, He must increase, I must decrease. And, and just the man, Jesus goes, That guy has got it, that Isaiah 40 is prophesied. That this man, John the Baptist, this beast in the spiritual world. He's, his, as, as, his, as he says, I must decrease, and he's telling disciples, go follow Jesus, my time is done, he must take center stage, John is full of excitement, and then what happens, he runs foul of Herod, and Herod doesn't like him, so Herod throws him in jail, and he knows that his head's on the chopping block. So all of a sudden, John, the man, greatest born of woman, gets a little bit itchy, because I just need to make sure that I was 100% right about this Jesus fellow. So John says, disciples, can you go and find Jesus and find out what he says about the situation. Jesus doesn't even go to visit John. Jesus is hardcore. Jesus says to his disciples, go back and tell John, and he quotes John from the prophet Isaiah that John would know well, because that's where he was prophesied about. And then he says to says, tell John that the blind are seeing, quoted from the prophet Isaiah, the deaf are hearing, the lame are walking, and the dead are being raised back to life. They go back and tell John that. And as he starts to quote, John goes, oh yes, I know that, I know that one. But when they say, the dead are raised back to life, he goes, yes, and? And? What else did he say? They said, no, that's all he said. John's like, no, no, but that's not how the scripture finishes. You see, that quote that Jesus was quoting of Isaiah goes, the dead are, the dead are hearing, the eyes of the blind are being opened, the lame are walking, the dead are being raised, and the prisoners are being released from their captivity. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say that. So Jesus is basically saying, I am the one, I am the fulfillment of it all, and you're going to die in there for me, bud. Yeah. This thing is, let me rip the carpet from underneath us. This is a huge thing, but here's the thing today. Am I saying all of us in this eventual martyrdom? Maybe for some. 
But I don't think that's the call here. Right now, I really do think that there has to be some deaths. If we are going to access the fullness of God, there has to be some deaths. Death to respectability. Yeah. Death to being understood. Death to try to control people's response of us. Death to man's opinion. Death to actually respectability, to try and keep us all together. Actually, there has to be some deaths. A friend of mine once said that maybe we're not, maybe we're not walking in the fullness of resurrection power because we're really not dead. Yeah. Yeah. Let me say it again. Maybe we're going to walk in the fullness of resurrection power because we haven't yet truly died. Yeah. You see, as I bring this to close, you have more authority than you know. Harvest Church. As I look up this morning, my hope levels for Harari and Zimbabwe shoot through the roof. You're a good looking bunch, but I promise you it's not because of that. It's because I've read the scriptures and I realize that Paul says, now through these people, Paul says, now through the church. Now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known. And actually, the reason why that authority is empowered because you've got access to God. Not to some secret fund, not to some political campaign, not to some run all the way to South Africa, not because you've got some connections or you can make a plan. You have authority because you've got access to Him. It's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. You see, there is responsibility. I landed with the story I told her last night, but it feels worth a second retelling. In the 1930s, as the Nazi regime started to gain power, Adolf Hitler and his Third Reich started to sweep across the Eastern Front, taking nation after nation in its wake and putting terror and fear into Europe. The news started to filter over to England. And England, they, they tried to deny it for as long as possible. They tried to say, you know what, it's not our problem. You know, someone else will see, but maybe it's not as bad. Maybe we can do some peace talks with them. Maybe we can, come on, let's be respectable in the English way. Let's invite them for some tea. <laughs> but as the, as the reality started sinking and, and Europe started, political figures started to stress and freak out as, as Hitler and his, and his regime moved through Poland and into Czechoslovakia and taking ground and, and, and people started to be shipped and trained off to concentration camps, to the ghettos and to their deaths. There was a man in England named Nicholas Winton. We heard of this. This came by, via over the, the airwaves and through the newspaper. We heard of this. And he, for a long time, just tried to turn the page and go, oh, how sad. How sad. Let's check out what the sport's going on. But something got in that they actually, there's got to be more. I, I can't just do this. I can't just settle for this existence. I can't just settle when that is going on. So Nicholas Winter looking around but saying, I don't have much. He was a, he was a, a man who had a menial job, a Monday to Friday job that didn't pay usually, but just would survive. All he had was two weeks vacation a year. So he took two weeks of his holiday that year. He got a train and went all the way to Czechoslovakia. When he arrived in Czechoslovakia and surveyed the horror and realized that families and children were being separated, children were being sent off, parents were being sent off to their death. And it was the fear was gripping from village to village. He went to one village where he got there before the Nazis were coming across. And there was such panic there. So all he did was he set up a table and he says, I'm going back to England. I can take a few children with me. As, as he said that, you can imagine the need was massive than more than just a few. As parent after parent came weeping, said, please take my child. Please take my child. Please take my child. So he got his little notebook off, a little book out, and so he wrote down each child's details. He, he wrote them down, wrote them down. Yes, their age, their date, their name, their family. Cool, wrote it down. Next child, next child. And loaded the train up behind him. After two weeks of holiday, Nicholas Winter left Czechoslovakia with 600 children in tow. And as the train pulled out of that station, they waved goodbye to Terry, mother and fathers, who they would never see again because the mother and fathers were going to be stripped off and pulled into concentration camps. 
to the gas chambers. Nicholas Twinton arrived back in England, 600 children in tow, and just pushed them out to farm them out to, to organizations that'll take them into homes, to friends, anyone. And he managed to secure 600 homes for these children. At the end of those two weeks, and this, this initiative, he got his book, closed it, and put it up in his attic. Went back to work on Monday. No one was the wiser of what Nicholas Winter had done. Until 30 years later, 1970s, his wife was there. And his wife was rummaging through the attic as, as they are prone to do at times, trying to tidy, bring order. And she stumbles over this little book, this weathered book, starts to read it, and it's bizarre. It's got Czechs of children's names and, and dates, and, 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 and she's like, Nicholas, what is this? He recounts the story to her, and says, this, this is what I did. You know what I did last summer, and I'll tell you what I did last in the 1930s. That's uh, so how I spent my holiday. And he's, he's like, it's not a big deal. And she says, no, no, Nicholas, this is living history. We can't let this keep silent. So, so what she did was she took it to the BBC. And the BBC in the 1970s, late 1970s had a program where they had Nicholas and his wife, now in their 70s, he with his horn and glasses. And they've got a studio audience behind him and they had to recount the story of Nicholas Winter. Nicholas is there, bashful, and just thank you, thank you. And then at the end of it, the culmination of it, they say, Nicholas, just to let you know, the woman on your right now was one of those children you rescued. This moment she turned and the tears were racing down her face. Nicholas couldn't, was just so startled and shocked by this moment. He just held her hands and just looked in her eyes and tears started to come down his face. And then even more dramatically, the presenter says, is there anyone else here in the studio audience today who owes their life to Nicholas Winter? The rest of the studio audience slowly stood. As Nicholas took off his glass and looked around, his tears streaming down. And he was applauded by this crowd. Watching these people. It was in that moment, I want to tell you, that Nicholas Winton, he died two years ago at the age of 104. He died as the patron saint of children in Czechoslovakia. He was knighted. He died as Sir Nicholas Winton. And when interviewed just before his death, they said, Nicholas, tell us about this fantastic week, this fortnight in Czechoslovakia. You went there and came home with 600 children. That sounds wild. <laughs> he says, you know what? You joke, but actually I've done the math and people have told me that actually from those 600 children, they've had children, they've had children. I think that week, you know, the, the fortnight in Czechoslovakia, I came back with probably 15,000 children. I tell that story this morning to let you know that actually on the other side of your obedience, people are waiting. This, this morning, is not me here to come and give some self-indulgence and make you feel better. This, for me here, I believe I'm resigning a clarion call of heaven, saying that your response to this, to the so much more of God, is determining the futures of hundreds and thousands of people around you. Gabe, I don't have crowds around me. Neither did Nicholas Winter. He only had two weeks of vacation time. He only had his administrative skills, but he had obedience. I want to tell you, imagine what the church could do they raised up in faith and said, we have more authority than we know. I'm not going to leave it to somebody else. I have more access to God, not just to some politician. And I'm going to, it's going to cost me, but I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to die. I believe that the future of this nation, the future of this continent will look different if even one or two of us picked up that call. Yeah. This morning, I pray that every single one of us would be roused from a ZBC reality. Would be roused and say, you know, this is not good. I'm not going to settle for just SMC 1, 2, 3. Today we're plugging in to the fullness of the gospel, which says there's so much more. Yeah. This morning, I'd love us to stand to our feet. I want to pray. This morning, I have so much courage for God to do the impossible in our hearts, for God to awaken dead hearts, for God to awaken slumbering hearts, God to awaken hearts that have just 
fallen into apathy. Hearts that have got satisfied and, and been self-indulgent. Hearts that have just drifted. I think today is a day where God is bringing hearts back into life. And declaring a new day over this church. If you have been stirred in any way, but today you say, I don't want to just be stirred, I want to be changed. I want God's power, His gospel to change my heart and plug me into the sun once more. I'd love you to respond by just lifting your hands to heaven. If you can do that with me, I'm the first of lifting my hands. Father, these hands going up, please don't do it out of compulsion or pressure, but these hands going up right now, Father, are just feeble attempts, not trying to get your attention, but to say, God, we surrender to the fullness of your plan for us. I thank you right now, God, for singles and young people. I thank you, Father God, today, that you'll say, you don't have to waste a day so much more. I thank you, God, for people who have maybe for years say today, I've wasted so much time. I thank you, Father God, you're saying, your future will be greater than your past. I thank you, Father God, there's a brand new day for individuals, for families, and for this church, but ultimately for the city, Jesus, because you're releasing agents of omnipotence from this moment. I thank you, God, releasing accountants who are going to change the world because they've got more authority than they know. They've got more access than they know. It's going to cost them more, but God, they're going to leave you. You're releasing teachers. You're releasing, uh, right now, even baristas. You say, I'm just a barista. No, you are a bean revivalist. I thank you, Father God. I'm just a teacher. No, you're setting up a, an outpost on the edge of hell, plundering hell and populating heaven because you have more authority than you know. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. You have more authority than you know. I thank you, God. You're empowering every single person today. An excuse not falling away. As we say, we lose excuse and we pick up the high call of God in our lives. I thank you, Jesus, for Jesus in every single heart, including mine. Let our hearts beat for what beats in yours. I thank you, God, one last time. You have more authority than you know, Harvest Church. You have more access than you know. Yes, it will cost you more than you know. But the rewards, radical futures, and a radical eternity will be celebrated forever in response to this good news. And now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known.